0: Good morning, all. Welcome to the Gnostic Church and Academy of Lord Jesus Christ. I'm your teacher of the mysteries, preacher of the heart, Marty Leeds. Thank you all for being here this morning. We really appreciate you being here. Uh, Let's jump into it. We're going to do a prayer, and then we're going to get going, okay? Sound good, everybody? Uh, We were supposed to be streaming to Rumble this morning, but we've had some technical difficulties. I don't know. It looks like we're on Odyssey. We are on Rockfin, and I'll upload to Rumble later. I don't know what the issue is, but we have these issues, and it is what it is, but... Our go time is 9 o'clock, so let's do it. Okay, let's do a prayer. Holy God, we realize that you know us more intimately than we know ourselves. We come before you now asking you to show us our sin, to make us aware of our failings, to open our eyes to our brokenness. We are wandering sheep that have gone our own way. We need your wisdom and guidance to show us the path of truth and life, for we are lost without your grace. Search us, O God and know our hearts. Test us and know our troubled thoughts. Give us true repentance that only comes from you. Do your transforming work in us so that we can live as your redeemed people in the world. In Jesus' name, we pray. All right. Good morning everybody. Thank you all for being here this morning. We are we're back into we're back in the chapter of Matthew. It's been a few weeks. Uh we did a little side side path uh, for a few weeks. Talking about some things, some compasses and squares and some masons and all this other stuff. But we're back into the chapter of Matthew. This is chapter eleven. This is called "My burden is light." So this week we'll do chapter eleven, and then next week we'll do twelve, and then I don't know what we'll do after that. It'll be a surprise. It'll be fun. So let's get into it. So the last couple weeks, um, well, last couple uh, before that, when we did we did two Sundays where we did Matthew, Matthew chapter ten. We had to break it up into two parts because it was so dense. And that's because we ended up doing the 12 disciples of the Zodiac. We ended up correlating the 12 disciples as Jesus calls them out, ordains them to the houses of the Zodiac, which is something, like I've mentioned this before, but this is something that a lot of esotericists have really been working on for many, many moon, many years, um, that this has been, you know, trying to find this correct correlation, if you will. And I thought we did a pretty bang-up job on it. So if you'd like to check that out, there's a whole live stream on it. And there's also a video break breakdown about it. But so... So that's what happened in Matthew chapter 10. Jesus ordains the 12. He's like, now go preach to all the Jews. That's basically what happened. So Matthew chapter 11, one, let's get into it. And it came to pass when Jesus had made an ending of commanding his 12 disciples, he departed thence to teach and to preach into their cities. And we'll see what he had to say when he went to go preach to those cities. So he's like, he sent the, he's like, ordained the 12 disciples. Like, all right, you guys go out. Don't worry about the Gentiles and don't worry about the good Samaritans. They already have Christ. Go teach to the people that need it the most. And that would be the Antichrists. The modern day Hebrews is what it would be. Okay. So, and so the 12 disciples, once again, that is your 12 houses of the Zodiac. So we know. Um, you know, we've covered this many, many times that the, you know, the Bible is an astrological document. It's an astro-theological document and the names that are given to these characters, their you know, what they do in the story and what's mentioned, these are all subtle references to make these connections. So, and we did that. So now John, this is two, 11, two. Now when John had heard, he heard, cause he heard the word. Okay. And they'll mention this several times. When John had heard in, in the prison the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples. So John had heard, John's in prison. Now, the Bible doesn't tell you why John is in prison right now. So this is chapter 11. We just started the New Testament, right? We're 10, 11 chapters in the New Testament. All of a sudden, John is in prison, and we have no idea why. They don't even tell you till several chapters later, which is a very, like, Quentin Tarantino-esque move. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's like they give you a part of the story, and then you don't know how they got there until, like, an hour later. It's like, you know john's at the diner right now and he's like give me the wallet that says bad mother on it that's the one that belongs to saint john anyway so that's a very uh quentin tarantino move if you will so uh the bible was produced by the weinstein brothers but so when john had heard he's in prison we don't even know why he heard the works of christ he sent two of his disciples and said unto him, uh, art thou he that should come or do we look for another? So why is John in prison? We don't find this out till later on, but let's let's figure it out right now so we have a context to the story. So the Bible indicates in Matthew 14, so not uh, there's three more chapters before we even figure out why John's in prison. John the Baptist was placed in prison by Herod Antipas, who's a total tyrannical despotic psychopath. And you'll and the Bible will paint this picture for you. It'll detail it for you. Harold, Harold, uh, Herod Antipas um, he placed John in prison as a result of John condemning Herod for having divorced his wife. Herod divorced his wife and then married Herodias, who is what? The divorced wife of Herod Antipas's brother, Philip, his brother, half-brother. So Herod is a total scumbag, divorced his wife and then married his brother's ex-wife. Herod considered John, so Herod knew that John was an extremely righteous man. Okay, John, and it it, tell, it show it will show you in this chapter about how everybody recognized that John, this guy was the shit. This guy straight from heaven, right? Whatever he's saying, and all the Jews recognized that he was a he was a pious man, if you will. He was very pious. Herod considered John to be a righteous man and liked to listen to his preaching. Which would seem to indicate that Herod would have been reluctant to put him to death. So this is what en- Herod ended up doing was end up putting Saint John to death. So put him in prison, and then put him to death. John the Baptist was highly influential among the Jews, and Herod was worried that if he you know put John in prison or killed him, that the Jews would up you know there'd be an uprising because it's like oh John, they recognized that John was saintly. He reproved John, reproved Herod for divorcing his wife and unlawful, unlawfully taking as Her- Her- Um, the wife of his brother. So this is Herod Antipas divorced his wife and married Herodias, the wife of his brother, and ended up killing John the Baptist. Then you find out that later that Herod Antipas, this is the guy that, well, we've covered this when we did Mark, but we'll cover it again in in this book. This was the guy that, Pilate and Herod Antipas, they become chum-chums. They became friends later. So Pilate, Pontius Pilate, the guy, you know, the whole scenario with the whole cross and things, that dude, the Roman general, he ended up becoming chums, buddies with Herod. Okay? So... And this is what it says, um, This I think this comes from Mark, I want to say, or this might be later on in Matthew, but either way, this is what, so ba- basically the Bible is going to detail to you who Herod is, right? For Herod, And there's modern day Herods is the point, okay? When we talk about this being a timeless book, what they're describing here with this person happens in modern day psychopaths, tyrants, despots, etc. okay? For Herod had laid hold of John and bound him up and put him in prison for Herodias' sake, comma, his brother Philip's wife, you sicko. You went and married your brother's wife. And then this saintly guy who's about to announce Christ, you're like, put him in prison. For John said to him, so John, total badass. This is a total rebel, iconoclastic, badass move. And this is what people need to understand about their saints. Okay, John went right up to this dude and he's like, you're a sicko, dude. You jackass, you divorced your wife and then married your brother's wife, you're disgusting. This guy couldn't handle the truth, Herod. So what does he do? He puts him in prison. He puts John, the saint, who's going to announce Christ Almighty in prison. And when he had put him to death, he was gonna put him to death, he feared the multitude because they counted him as a prophet. They're like, John, that's a prophet. You just put a prophet in a prison. You put, a, you put one of God's very own behind bars. Then on Herod's birthday, the daughter of Herodias danced before them and pleased Herod. Okay, danced before him and pleased. So he he divorced his wife, married his brother's wife, and then their daughter, he's like, come and dance before me. This is the scenario, this is the scene that's being played out in the Bible. Okay, now this guy ended up beheading John. In fact, you even go on to say, then whence this woman, this Herodias, his wife's daughter, dances in front of him and pleases him, then she's like, hey, you know what I would like? He promised, he's like, well, whatever you would like. He's like, you know what I would like? I would like, the daughter says, I would like John the Baptist's head on a charger. A charger means a plate. So this is how sick these people are. And this is, the you know, within six lines here, the Bible's trying to detail to you just how completely psychopathic these people are. Sickos. You know, dance before me, little daughter, and then what would you like? Oh, chop this saint's head off and then bring it to me on a platter. And that's exactly what happened. Now, according to church tradition, after the execution of John the Baptist, this daughter took, allegedly, right, this is the legend, took St. John's head and buried it in a dung heap. In a pile of shit. Okay. What is so this so this is all from, by the way. This is all from what? This is uh Matthew, why is John in prison? Because of these people. Okay? So what is the Bible doing right now? The Bible is paint yes, I know this is not an appropriate picture for a church service, because yes, that is Bob Ross painting a picture of Slayer's album Rain and Blood, and he's covered in blood. Yes, that is what you're looking at. I'm making the point, though. What is the Bible doing? The Bible is painting a picture for you of just how sick these people are. That's what they're doing. The Bible is painting a picture like, who? why did they come after John? Because they were psychopaths. Because they're like, daughter, dance in front of me, and then I'm going to marry my brother's wife. And then, you know, you're going to decapitate John and put his head on a platter and then go mar- go bury it in a dung heap. So, that's what... Now, you're probably asking, what is the best Slayer record? Because it's not Rain and Blood. Most people would say... Most Slayer fans would say the best Slayer record is Rain and Blood. Maybe Hell Awaits. I don't know. But I have the unpopular, very unorthodox opinion that the best Slayer record is actually Diabolus in Musica, which most Slayer fans would once again not be... They'd be like, no, of course, it's Seasons in the Abyss or God Hates Us All. God Hates Us All, funny enough or not funny enough, was released on September 11th 2001. Slayer's God Hates Us All was. So... Little little uh, Slayer history for you guys this Sunday morning. Okay, so John had heard, he heard the word of God in prison. And why he was he in prison? Because he, John was such a badass, such a rebel, that he went up to the very person that has all this power, this Herod. And he's just like, uh, yeah, you're sick, dude so okay so that that's the story for you and he said unto him art thou he that should come or do we look for another so basically john sent two of his disciples he's like hey is this christ and jesus answered and said unto them go and show john again those things which ye do hear and see so go hear and see go tell him the things that you hear to teach and preach uh john had heard in the prison excuse me heard okay then it says this Uh, well so excuse me before we get into that Look at all of the terminology, and you'll see this again when we move forward, that the Bible's putting in there. This is all these subtle references that they're using in language to tell you about the more mystical meaning of all this stuff, right? He, John had heard Christ. He had heard. He heard, of course, heard. When you heard something, where's your ears? They're in your head. So you just take that R away, and you've got your head. And then you heard. Of course, heard is just the past tense of hear. Of course, hear, and then you hear your ear. You just take the H away, and you hear in your ear on your head, and you heard. And what do you heard? What did you hear? What did John, what did he hear in his ear? He heard the word. He heard the word that comes out of his mouth. All of these things essentially referencing what? The very point of illumination in your Zodiac Man. The thing that we just talked about the last few live streams, okay? So he heard the word. The word, by the way, W-Y-R-D, many people probably know this, but the word is a concept in Anglo-Saxon culture roughly corresponding to fate or personal destiny. The word is ancestral to the modern English weird, but whose meaning has drifted towards an adjective, adjectable use, but it basically means supernatural or uncanny. So in this sense, the word is personal fate and destiny. So what did John hear in prison? His personal fate and destiny. That's what he heard. And where did he hear it? Where did he hear the word? In his Aries, in his lamb, in his ram. Okay? Then Jesus said to this to his disciples, said, "Go and show John, the and uh, go and show John again those things which ye do hear and see." Then he, what did they hear and see? Then they say all of this stuff here. Um, actually, before we get into that, well, no, let's just do this. The blind receive their sight, and the lame walk, and the lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear, the dead are raised up. And the poor have the gospel uh, preached to them, Preach to them. What is all of this? This is all metaphors for spiritual rebirth. All Everything that he just said there, he's like, go show John all this stuff, right? And all of this stuff is metaphoric for your spiritual rebirth. You were blind. Now you can see. You were lame. Couldn't walk. Now you can walk. The lepers, they were cleansed. They were dirty in this sense. They were unpure and unvirgin they were cleansed the deaf now they could hear the word the dead they were raised up the poor the poor of course we know the poor in spirit this is what the reference is this you know poor they heard the gospel they had the gospel preached to them what is the gospel it's god's story okay the blind could see the lame could walk the lepers were cleansed the deaf could hear the dead were raised up and the poor hear the gospel so jesus is telling john he's like hey let the, let go or he's telling the disciples go show john this stuff's actually happening. Spiritual rebirth is happening in front of people's very people's eyes. Okay? Now, this is so Jesus before this, number one, he just talked about the fact that in the last chapter in Matthew 10, he's like, hey, I just ordained the 12 disciples. Okay? So go out and you grab these 12 guys and then they're gonna go out and preach for me. And then what did those 12 disciples do? They did this. They the blind received their sight, and they, you know, they performed these miracles in this sort of sense. Okay. Here's the gematria value of this, okay? The blind receive their sight, and the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear the dead. Uh, And the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. Do you know what this equals? In septenary gematria, 540, okay? 540, does everybody see that? The blind receive their sight, and the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, the poor have the gospel preached to them, equals 540. Last chapter Matthew chapter 10, we got this number, we, this number showed up in where? When Jesus had called unto him his 12 disciples, he gave them power against unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. Disease is part of the, it's just not on the graphic there. That was, that was in Matthew chapter 10, when he called the disciples Even tells you, and when he had called unto him his 12 disciples, he gave them power against unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. Do you know what that equals? 540. Now, the next chapter, the very diseases that they're healing, do you know what it equals? 540. The blind receive their sight and the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear, the the deaf hear, the dead are raised up and the poor have the gospel preached to them. Calls them out, says, hey, this is what you're going to go do. 540 the next chapter this is what they went and did 540 you do the math yourself why is 540 important this is why you need to know your seven classic liberal arts this is why we did the last Sunday why it's so important to understand those metaphysical subjects because 540 will lead you to what well what's right in front of you that's your pentagon that's your pentagram your pentagon The internal degrees of that pentagon is 540. I'm just going to go over this quick, but what does that lead you to? The fingerprint of God. Phi. You measure a perfect pentagram, a perfect star, what are you going to get? You're going to get that ratio of 1 to 1.618 to 1. It's natural. It's a natural, you know, natural ratio. A ratio of balance is really what it is. That's why it's called the golden mean. A mean is a balance between extremes. You guys know that, right? So that's really what it is. It's this perfectly balanced ratio and this is what actually helps plants balance as they grow. It's called phyllotaxis based on what? Phi. So, both of these chap both of these verses, they're like, "Hey, this is what they went and did. The blind received their sight and the lepers walk and all this other stuff." And then these are this is what I'm going to tell you you're going to go do. 540 Matthew chapter 10, Matthew chapter 11, 540. All revealing phi. That ratio inherent within creation, that your hands based off of, the cochlea of your ear, the human body, all sorts of things within nature, bees and everything, all all this stuff. We talked about this before. I'm just going to go over this real quick. All of that is based on what? The internal degrees of the Pentagon. Your arm, the cubit, your arm is based off this, okay? Does everybody get that? So that's all in that right there. He's literally, he's like, "Go show John all this stuff." And the very number that's encoded is what the golden mean. Matthew eleven six, and he and blessed is he, comma, whosoever shall not be offended in me. It's actually a very potent line when you think about it. And you're blessed if you're not offended in the truth. Okay, well, why is he saying this? Well, he just said, Jesus just talked about the fact that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ordain you 12, and I'm going to send you out to talk to all the Jews, all the scribes and the Pharisees and the bad Samaritans, if you will, right? And so then he's like, okay, then all those people, if you go out, you're not going to be offended of me. Well, who would be offended in him? Who exactly would be offended at Jesus and his teachings? Well, the people that reject Jesus. Today, who would be offended at Jesus and his teachings? His actual teachings. I, well, I don't know. Probably every president and prime minister that's out there, every governor, you know, uh, everybody that works at the World Economic Forum and Agenda 21 and, and, and you know, et cetera, et cetera, ad infinitum. So that's who would be exactly who would be offended at Jesus' teachings. And so Jesus is like, hey, if you go out, don't be offended. Don't be offended at the truth. What is the subcontext of what he's saying here to the spiritual message and what he's saying? How important? This is right from the mouth of Christ. Searching for truth, acknowledging it, aligning with it, and boldly speaking it is part of how we are measured by God. That's what he's. That's the sub spiritual meaning of the sub context of what he's saying there. Okay, saying if you go out and you find the truth and you and you see it and everything like that, if you're offended by it and you're going to keep quiet about it, I, I'm not really going to look too fairly on you. Blessed is he whosoever shall not be offended in truth. And this is what he's saying. So part of part of your spiritual conquest is absolutely recognizing truth in this world and speaking, speaking that truth, speaking truth to power, okay? This really gets to the, you know, telling the truth is a revolutionary act, which is exactly what, what this is, I mean, Je- Jesus in this sense was a revolutionary. There's no question about it. And what did he do? He brought truth. And that offended a whole lot of people. Oh, freaking well. Oh, well. Matthew eleven seven 7. And as they departed, Jesus began to say unto the multitudes concerning John. Listen to this. This is so great. Okay. So so and as they departed, Jesus began to say unto the multitudes. So Jesus is about to talk up John, right? Everybody knows that John is the shit. He's like, he's people consider him as a prophet. He's like a saint. All the Jews love him. Herod's worried about actually putting him in prison because everybody loves John. Now Jesus shows up and this is what he's going to say about John. Listen to this. This is 7 to 9 here. And as they departed, Jesus began to say unto the multitudes, He's like, Hey, everybody, concerning St. Johnny Boy here, what went ye out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken in the wind? But what went ye out for to see? A man clothed in soft raiment? Behold, they that wear soft clothing are in king's houses. But what went ye out for to see? A prophet? Yeah, I say unto you, and more than a prophet. For this is he of whom it is written. Of whom it is written means he is fulfilling prophecy, of course. and then he says, behold, I send my messenger before thy face, which shall prepare thy way before thee. Okay, let's go back here. So listen to what Jesus is doing. Like he's taught, he's like being like, He's talking up John. He's like, dude, this guy, man, who did you guys come out to? It's like a WWF or WWE show or, or something like that. He's like, yo, everybody, who did you come out to see? A reed shaking in the wind? No! Who did you come out to see? A man wearing soft clothing? No! You came to see St. Johnny Boy! Right? It's that, it, he's literally being a hype man for St. John right now. That's what he's doing. A reed, a reed shaking. Did you see some flitter, fluttering little wussy boy just shaking in the wind? Is that who he came out to see? Did you see? Did you come out to see a man clothed in soft raiment? Do you know what soft raiment means? Soft raiment means fancy pants. That's what soft, soft clothing means. And they even detail this. They even tell you it's the fancy pants. You did you come out to see a man wearing fancy pants? Was he smoking a? Virginia Slim and drinking Tequila Rose and listening to the Pet Shop Boys? No, that's not what St. Johnny Boy was doing. Okay? He wasn't wearing those soft clothing, the fancy pants that they wear in king's houses. That's not what St. Johnny Boy was doing. John was a man of the people is what Jesus is saying. Right? He comes from an ordinary background. This is not your guy in the king's houses and wearing the fluffy things like that. This is not some guy that's shaking like a reed in the wind. Okay? You think he's a prophet? No, no, no. This guy's more than a prophet, Jesus is saying. And he's saying he's a man of the people. Elegant clothes, soft raiment, elegant clothes is, is, a, is a metaphor, whatever. Uh, it's, it's equivalent to elegant clothing, such as courtiers wear, shown by the words. The, they wear soft raiment in, in king's houses. That's not John. John comes in, he's a man of the people, okay? And so Jesus is essentially a hype man for, for St. John. So in this metaphor of, like, Jesus and St. John were public enemy, Jesus would be of Flav, okay? And Chuck D. would be St. John. Now, normally you would say that Jesus would be the front man of any band. Like, if, you know, if... If the Bible was white snake, Jesus would be David Coverdale. And obviously, okay, but in this metaphor, we're saying like Jesus is being a hype man, the flavor flavor for Chuck D, which is St. John, okay? And he's he's basically being like, this is the guy, he he's the man, okay? He's not a reed shaking in the wind, he's not so he's not some wussy boy, he's not in the king's houses being, you know, sipping on, you know, doing this when he drinks his drink and eating caviar and shit like that. You came out to see a prophet. This guy's more than a prophet. For this is he whom it is written. He, St. John, is going to announce the overthrow of the Old Testament, which is Lord Jesus Christ. Behold, I send my messenger before thy face which shall prepare thy way for th- before thee. Okay, so prepare the way by the way. When they mention the way there, this is the way, the truth, and the life. This is that primordial natural law upon which the entire universe is formed and the mechanics of the thing, okay? But notice he says, behold, I send my messenger. This is very esoteric, okay? This is very esoteric, at least as far as I can tell. what One of the things he's mentioning here, one of the subtle references that's being mentioned is Hermes, Hermes Mercurius Trismegistus. Um, the root of hermeticism, the root of um, um, hermeneutics, you know, biblical exegesis, hermeneutics. Hermes was one of the only few Greek gods that could travel freely between the different realms. As a messenger to the God, he was responsible for delivering messages to and fro between the mortal and divine worlds. That's exactly what John's doing right now, right? He's bringing that message to of, of Christ, to the people. So this is Hermes, of course it's Mercury, Hermes, that's why he's called Hermes, Mercurius. Same character, um, Greco-Roman, of course, um, and we've mentioned this before. So, you know, there's there's lots of, you know, um, allegories that you can make between John and Christ and Hermes and all this other stuff. But my messenger, that's what he's saying. So this is a message from the eternal the you know the metaphysical into the physical and john is helping bring that message is help you know is basically preparing the way for christ okay so let's keep going so then john or then jesus talks john up even more okay so verily i say unto you among them that are born of women which basically that's just a phrase like an ancient phrase for basically saying born of the physical born into the physical realm among them that are born of women there hath not risen a greater than john the baptist this guy is top-notch, man, okay? Notwithstanding, he that is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. Basically saying, look, when he say at least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. So what he's basically saying in layman's terms is on earth here, born of women, this is the highest that you could possibly go spiritually. Like this guy, you know, the next thing up from him is essentially now you're getting into heaven, Okay? So his the, the perfection of, of your spiritual work, your spiritual quest is being embodied in St. John here. And, and Jesus is using multiple verses to say this, like, look, this guy's the man, okay? And from the day and so then it says, from the day and from the days, Matthew eleven twelve, 12, and from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence, and the violent take it by force. This is okay, so Let's step back and look at the context of everything that we've just dealt with in the last few chapters, but especially within the last one where Jesus is coming out, ordaining 12 of his disciples and then going out specifically and and lecturing, preaching and teaching to what? Not the Gentiles, but to the Jews, to the scribes and the Pharisees. So now that we understand that, that was the whole last chapter, we're getting into this now, who do we assume are the people that, um, that are suffering violence and, and taking the kingdom of heaven by violence and by force? Who are those people? Well, we could say first and foremost, the very people that put Christ on a cross. So we could say the Jews and we can also say the Roman, you know, the Roman governors. I mean, this is, in, in this sense, this is what they mean when it says like, oh, did, you know, pay unto Caesar. What is Caesar's? Well, what do I owe Caesar? Actually, nothing. You don't owe, you don't owe Caesar jack freaking all. But what did Caesar do? Came and played the part of God, didn't he? Yeah, you do owe me. Everybody's in my jurisdiction. You're all my subjects. You're not objects. You're not living proofs of, you know, the divine objects of God. You're my subjects. So what did Caesar in this sense do? He's taken heaven by force, violently. What are the Jews doing? By claiming all of this shit is theirs, they're doing what? They're they're, They're suffering violence, okay? So we just ask, who would, who would be, in this scenario, in the context of everything we're reading, who was taking heaven violently and by force? I think that answer is pretty cut and dry. Who, is, who, would, be, who would be doing that today? Okay? So that's what's, that's what's being said here. And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence and the violent take it by force. Then here's the next two lines. So we do, we're just, they just mentioned here, they came not let's go back here. It was like, hey, for this is he, comma, of whom it is written, prophecy being fulfilled. All that shit that you guys were writing in the Old Testament, it's now being fulfilled. And this is why it says multiple times in Matthew that the Jews said, this is the king of the Jews. as far as far As far as I know, correct me if I'm wrong, Jesus never said it himself. The Jews proclaimed this, King Herod proclaimed this who is he that is born king of the Jews? they're they're admitting that this is their king and they rejected him and what are they doing? they're taking heaven violently so for this is he of whom it is written the prophecy is being fulfilled so then it says this for all the prophets and the law prophesied until John Matthew 11:13 then the next line is this and if ye will receive it comma this is Elias which was for to come. Now, once again, when I started reading the Bible again and I got to this, you know, I'm like, how come nobody is addri- I've never heard anybody directly address this as far as like Christian scholars are concerned. How is John Elias? Doesn't make any sense. The, in the Old Testament, you guys know this, in the Old Testament, Eli- Elias or Elijah is the one that's going to announce the Savior for the Jews. Jewish tradition says that Elijah is present at the Passover meal. So they, they keep, even the Passover meal, they do this to the day. They 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 do this today. They keep the seed at Cedar for Elijah to show up so then Elijah can announce their Savior. Well, all this shit already happened, guys. You guys are still rejecting it, okay? Now, so the tradition says that Elijah is going to show up. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. Well, then, once again, who shows up? It's john but in the prophetic sense elijah already came as john the baptist so john is now elijah elias or elijah john will go before him in the spirit and power of elijah luke 117 to turn the hearts of the father to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready for the lord a people prepared so what is this saying john and elias are the same spirit the same being who was Elias, right? Elijah, Elias, he's to come. Who came? St. John. It is the same spirit in another body. Now, we've talked about this before, but this is why when I started reading this stuff myself and just like, okay, well, I'm just going to read the book and just, you know, see what it says and then extract the wisdom from it itself and not really care what I mean. That doesn't make any sense unless you do what? unless you bring reincarnation to bear on this topic. That's the only way that that makes sense. Now, reincarnation is pretty much, at least for the most part, exclu- like explicitly denied by Christianity. And yet the core of Christianity, that is, St. Johnny boy bringing Jesus to fulfill the prophecy, requires, to make any sense of it whatsoever, reincarnation doesn't make any sense otherwise. Why? Shouldn't Elijah just showed up? It should have been Elias. But it's not. It's St. John. So, religious systems that believe in reincarnation, Buddhism, Jainism, Hinduism, even aspects of Judaism, it's found very much in uh, Judaic Kabbalah, Native American indigenous religions, Sikhism, uh, Paganism, Neoplatonism, Orphism, Hermeticism, Manichaeism, Gnosticism, of course, that's what we teach. That will be part of the tenets of the order that I'm writing. Neopythagoreanism, Cathars, the Alawites, the Druze, the Rosicrucians, uh, Vedism, Confucianism, Brahmanism. And guess what? Christianity, too. Absolutely Christianity, if you just actually read your Bible. So, the prophecy is being fulfilled. Johnny Boy is showing up. He's actually Elias. Okay. So, once again, the only way that that even makes sense is if we say, look, that's the same That's the same spirit. That's the same soul that's going from the one body into the next. Okay? Uh, we can get into all sorts of stuff about, like, Saul and Paul, too, and there's all sorts of things. But, so, once again, let's go back here. Then it says, after all of this, for the, all the prophets in the law prophesies until John. And by the way, it was all, vi- the heaven was violent. It was, they were taking heaven violently and by force during this whole time until Christ shows up. And if ye will receive it, this is Elias, which was for to come, was to come. He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. Okay. Most of the Christians that are reading this don't have the ears to hear or the eyes to see hence they an, an understanding of reincarnation if you injected that in there and said look this actually brings palatability and it just you know common sense and just you know rationale and reason to your story what will they do they'll reject it because they they have to they have to say well no that's not part of christianity blah, 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 blah. and then they'll you know the whatever and then the next line is well it's because you don't have the ears to hear and the eyes to see that's So, uh, what are you hearing? The Word. The Word. That's that's what you're hearing. You're hearing, in your head, you heard to hear the ear through the Word, which is the supernatural or uncanny. It's your fate or your personal destiny. Okay? Then it says this. So, if you have the ears to hear, listen up. All right, now I'm gonna give you, as Jesus does, speaks it very parabolically, okay? which parable, para, I'm going to do this whole thing too. I think I did it once, but parable is a reference, is a, even a parable, right, is a mathematical reference to a parabolic, is a par, like a parabolic curve. Like all these things have mathematical correlations. Anyway, that's a whole nother live stream. Matthew 11, uh, 16, he says this. Those that can hear, listen up. Now here's a parable. But whereunto shall I liken this generation, this generation of swine, that's who he's talking about. He's just saying the people that took that, that are offended in me and that are violently taking heaven by force. And the very people that that put John in prison and married their brother's wife and then had the daughter dance before them and then she took John's head and buried it in a dung heap. You know, those people, whereunto shall I liken that generation? It's like unto children. Children sitting in the markets and calling on to their fellows and saying, we have piped on to you and you have not danced. We have given you all of this spiritual, uh, spiritual knowledge and things like that and you haven't sucked up to us. You haven't been like, oh, Rabbi, Rabbi, you're so amazing. We have mourned on to you. We have cried for you and you have not lamented to us. Then he says this, and we'll go back to that just a second. He says this, for John came neither eating nor drinking and what do these people, what does this generation say? Oh, he's not eating or drinking. He must have a devil in him. He must be all filled of the devil. Next line, the son of man came eating and drinking. And they say, ah, oh, behold, a man gluttonous and a winebibber. A winebibber is a person that likes to drink too much wine. A friend of publicans and sinners. But wisdom is justified of her children. We'll get back into that line in a second. So, what are they doing right now? John shows up. He's not, he's, uh, he's not eating or drinking. He's in a, a religious fast right now. And they say, oh, he's not eating or drinking. He's got a devil. Then the Son of Man shows up, and he's eating or drinking. And they're like, look at this gluttonous pig. What are they doing right now? They're being exactly what Jesus calls them, fucking hypocrites. But woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, you're hypocrites. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, you're hypocrites. As the hypocrites do in the synagogues. In the synagogues, where do Jews pray? As the hypocrites are, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues. Hypocrites, hypocrites, hypocrites. You're all hypocrites. He's saying it again. Oh, John shows up, he's not eating or drinking. Oh, look, he's got a devil. This guy shows up, he's eating and drinking. Oh, he's got a devil. You're hypocrites. Now, this mention of we have piped unto you and have not danced. Uh, it's, uh, it's like unto children sitting in the markets and calling unto their fellows and saying, We have piped unto you and ye have not danced. And we have mourned unto you and ye have not lamented. This is actually a reference, just like we mentioned before, a reference that, of something that happens later on in Matthew chapter 23. So this is what Jesus is talking about. and He's specifically talking about the, the Jews in the markets. Exactly what he's saying here parabolically. For they, this is what the, this is what the scribes and the Pharisees do. For they bind, Matthew chapter 23, for they bind heavy burdens and grievous to be born and lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves will not move them with one of their fingers. They put all this burden all on your shoulders, but they themselves, they don't do nothing. But all their works they do for to be seen of men. Everything they do is so that they can get adulation and, and congratu- congratulations and celebration from all their men. Look at me. Look what I'm doing. I piped to you and you didn't dance to me. They make broad their phylacteries. Do you know what the phylactery is? It's the what Jews wear. It's they, they wrap that thing around and they wrap it around their finger and they wrap it around seven times. And then they have a the little box here and the little box here. That's their phylacteries. And Jesus is coming along and saying, oh, they do all that so they can be seen. So they make broad their phylacteries and enlarge the borders of their garments and love the uppermost rooms at feasts and the chief seats in the synagogues. They love the uppermost rooms at the feasts. They love wearing their fancy pants. They love wearing their soft pussy-ass clothing and greetings in the markets. Oh, to be called of men, rabbi, rabbi, rabbi. Oh, look at you, rabbi. Look at your phylacteries and your fancy pants and look at, look at all the preaching that you're doing. And this is what he's mentioning. This is, this is the reference that's just going to happen a few chapters later. So you're in the markets and you're calling on to your fellows and be like, oh. But at the end of the day, what is Jesus saying here? You're all a bunch of hypocrites, all of you. Then it says this. So after all of this, after he's like, you're all a bunch of hypocrites and you're all of a wicked generation and John's in prison because of a bunch of despots and tyrants, right? Then Jesus says this. Then began he to upbraid the cities wherein most of his mighty works were done because they repented not. Let's read this again, Matthew eleven twenty. 20. Then Jesus, he began to upbraid the cities wherein most of his mighty works were done, comma, because they repented not. Jesus went in, has already gone in, went into these cities where the mighty works were done, where people saw the mighty works, they saw the light of truth. And what happened? They didn't acknowledge it. They didn't align with it. They didn't repent for the lives that they had lived. So now Jesus is saying, all right, I just sent you 12 disciples out. You're going to go do your work. John, you're got some. Uh, you in prison. You sent your disciples. I'm going to make sure that you know that this is I am the real deal, uh, love, comma, Jesus. Then after all of this, this is what Jesus does. He's going to upbraid the cities. He's going to go and do, you know what upbraid means? It means to criticize severely or find fault with, to rep- reproach severely, scold vehemently. This is what Jesus is about to do. I'm about to go into these cities and I'm about to call some mofos out. That's what I'm doing. If we're going to bring it down to just brass taxes, layman's terms, let's try to make this story for the dummies like Marty Leeds. What is Jesus going out to do? He's going to call these mofos. Okay, that's what he's doing. Now, so upbraiding criticize severely or scold vehemently he is going to take the his time preaching and that is what he's going to do that's because jesus just like saint johnny boy when saint johnny boy went up to herod and he's like you're a sicko dude you're you married your brother's wife and you divorced her and now you got this daughter dancing for you all this other crap you're disgusting that's a rebellious move that is rebel that is iconoclastic that's what's going on here now. So Jesus is a Jesus is a rebel, okay? And this is the kind of music you should be should be going on in your head every time you hear Jesus, his name, okay? Because he's a freaking rebel, man. You know. You know what I'm saying? What a great song, dude! Look, look, Billy Idol. Look, you can can say what you want to Billy, but jesus was a rebel just like saint john now the t- now the, the the churches are not teaching you this the ter- the churches are teaching me a, a completely like oh jesus shows up and everything's gold and they're they're teaching this version of christ that's not what the bible is saying christ or saint john is at all okay jesus this is a wanted poster i've showed this before but it's like wanted jesus this is who he really was he was wanted for sedition criminal anarchy, if you will, vagrancy, uh, c- conspiring to overthrow the established government, dressed poorly, uh, was said to be a carpenter by trade, uh, ill-nourished, had visionary ideas, associates with common working people, just like John. John was not wearing fancy pants, okay? He was hanging out with the unemployed and bums, you know, the, the publicans and the sinners, um, you know, has a has uh, Prince of Peace, Son of Man, Light of the World, Uh, he was a professional agitator that's what jesus was okay once again all of these things that jesus did that we goes in tips the money change money why do we say this incorrectly the money changes in the temple tips the table over comes in with the whip starts whipping people goes into the synagogue teaches the very things he's not supposed to teach walks with satan right up to the top of the mountain he's like yeah i don't really care what you have to say then after all of this stuff gets his disciples then spends his time to go and scold vehemently a bunch of people that would not repent and going out into their cities to do so this is who Jesus is Jesus is an actual iconoclastic rebel this is why when i read this stuff and i and i could just read these things and come to this conclusion why it was it was i don't know it was like a just makes it so much easier to become a Christian because they're like, oh no, Jesus was not totally on the right side of history, if you will, right? In this sense, he's calling out exactly who needed to be called out and actually getting a group, a tribe of people to do the same shit. Okay? Once again, Jesus with our current government being like, oh, we need to crack down on the anti-Semites and the white supremacy and all this other stuff. Jesus would have been considered a domestic terrorist by our current federal United States government, okay? That's just, it just is what it is. Jesus would be considered today by our federal government as a terrorist threat, domestic terrorist, an insurrectionist. That's what Jesus would have been. According to, just once again, just putting your eyes to the frickin' paper of the the, the pages of the Bible and just reading that story, okay? Famous anti-Semite. Okay, we're gonna do, um, we're gonna pass the basket around real quick. Gonna do some donations. Anybody that likes to support the fine work that we do here at the Gnostic Church and Academy of Lord Jesus Christ. We appreciate you so much. We keep going by your support and your donations. So if you would like, Venmo, Buy me a coffee, Cash App. You can become a subscribe Star. You can become a Gubbired at Subscribestar. Or um, if you'd like, you can send uh, uh, donations or just any sort of letter or anything like that. We open those on uh, Tuesdays with Marty every Tuesday. So um, Kevin McNally, N2550, Southview Court, Monroe, Wisconsin, 53566. Okay, so let's do it. <laughs> Thank you to everybody that shows up every Sunday. Thanks to everybody that does uh, support the work and buys books and, and everything like that. We really appreciate the support. Okay, thank you so much. All right, let's keep going. The next few lines are a little bit um, they're they're kind of obscure, so I'm going to go through this kind of quick. And some of it we've already covered, but um, it'll be uh, it'll be a good review. So this says so Matthew 11:21 to 24. Let's do this. Woe unto thee, Shorazin, Woe unto thee, Bethsaida, for if the mighty works were done in you, had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. Jesus is basically coming out and he's talking about upbraiding the cities. He's like, and he's saying like, look, you already, we we already went in and the mighty works were shown unto you and you rejected them. And now Jesus is going to go and once again, scold them vehemently. Okay. But I say unto you, it shall be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon at the day of judgment then for you. And thou Capernaum, which art exalted unto heaven, shall be brought down to hell, for if the mighty works which have been done in thee had been done in Sodom, it would remain till the until this day. Basically he's totally chastising these houses because they they absolutely recognized the word, they absolutely recognized the light, the way, the truth, and they completely rejected it. And now he's like, look, you had the choice. You had free will. You had the choice to go into truth, and you didn't. And then you actually turned against it. Okay. But I say unto you that it shall be more tolerable for the land of Sodom in the day of judgment for thee. Why is the, the their, their punishment is greater? Because the mighty works were shown in them, and they rejected it. So this is the thing. It's like their punishment shall be greater because they saw and experienced truth. They experienced it. They saw it. The mighty works were shown in them and they chose to reject it. And that is the, that is the main point that's, that's happening here is that your punishment is going to be greater because you saw the light and you decided to go into the darkness. You saw the will of God in this incarnation. You saw the right thing to do. And instead of aligning with it and, and, and being bold about it and going right into it, And living that truth, you decided to do what? Go against it. And because of that, your punishment is going to be greater because it's one of those things that's like, oh, judge them or, you know, judge not because they, you know, they don't know what they do. You guys knew what you were doing. Okay? So your judgment is going to be extremely harsh, especially because you, den of vipers, you snakes, you disgusting generation of people, you took heaven violently and by force okay this is like the it's like the guy and it's, it's it's hilarious his name is cypher right i should grow a mustache and one of these little one of these flavor savers is that what they're called i look like this dude that's the it's the cypher scenario in in the matrix <clears throat> cypher knew the truth he knew, it was like, oh, I know the stake is just, it's actually not real and anything like that. And and instead of going with the, the people that were seeking truth, he decided to what? Sell them all out. It's a very Judas Iscariot type of scenario as well. But basically, what you know, so Cypher, so Cypher in this sense, his his punishment would have been extremely great because it's like, oh, you were with the truth. You saw the mighty works. You saw all the lies. And you decided after all of that, I'm just going to go with the lie. Okay. Now, look at, I just want to mention this really quick, okay? Because there is some constellational stuff that's happening. It's way too much to go into right now because, you know, we're, we're trying to keep these under two hours. But there, whenever they give you names in the Bible like this, there's, they're pointing out something specific. There's a there's a greater message there, right? Um, so, Shorazin, Bethsaida, Tyre and Sidon, Capernaum, these are all the things. And then, of course, Sodom and Gomorrah, and we know Sodom and Gomorrah, what that is, right? sodomites okay. So, Shorazin, Bethsaida, Tyron Sidon, Capernaum, all of these names um have a have a, you know, deep meaning, okay? So, the, I'm just going to go over this really quick. So, the name meanings of these biblical towns. Shorazin means the secret or mystery. Tyre and Sidon are, are named together. Tyre and Sidon, Tyre means rock. And Sidon means essentially house, or, or excuse me, hunting or fishing house of hunting. And Bethsaida literally means house of the hunt. Okay, so Shorazin means secret or mystery. This is all the things that are all these that are mentioned here: Shorazin, Bethsaida, Tyre, and Sidon, Capernaum. All of a sudden, these next few verses, you're given all these places. Okay. They have constellational corollaries, okay? So, and then I'll just show you this. So, Shorazen means secret or mystery. Tyre means rock. Sidon means hunting. Bethsaida means house of the hunt. If you'd like to look all of this stuff up, you're more than welcome to do that. Shorazen, secret, here is a mystery. Tyre means rock. Um, Biblical name, Sidon is hunting, fishing. Um, And then Bethsaida means um, house, uh, place of fishing, place of hunting. We also know that Capernaum, we've covered this before, Capernaum Means it's a village of consolation, protected by or being sorry. So it's the place you go for repentance, consolation, um, being sorry, to be sorry or to comfort is essentially what capper means and now means um, it's a perp- it's a protective barrier or perimeter around any sort of vulnerable interior. That's what now means. So this is all capper now. This is why you put a cap on your head, a cap. This is all reference to your head, the place where you're sorry, the protective barrier, this sort of thing. This is all Capernaum is a, is a reference to your head. So all of these all of these things are actually pointing to a, a roughly a place in the sky. So Tyre and Sidon is rock, and and a place of essentially house of hunting or place of hunting, right? Well, the rock is the gem. It's the Gemini, and the the house of hunting is right. He's Gemini is right by Orion, which is what? The hunter. Bethsaida is what? The house of the hunter. That's Orion, that's your hunter right there. Shorazen is actually considered the secret of the mystery. This is, I'll cover this in just a second. This is your, what's considered your silver gate or your celestial gate. And Capernaum means your head, it's your Aries. So all of these constellations that he's calling out are all, you know, basically places in the sky. Now, listen to what Jesus says here. He says, and thou Capernaum, which art exalted unto heaven. So when we talk about Capernaum is exalted into heaven, they're literally giving you comma, which art exalted into heaven. This is your head. This is your Capernaum, the cap, the protective barrier, feeling sorry, place of repentance and that sort of stuff. That's your head. That's your Aries, which art exalted unto heaven. Okay? So this is what Jesus is doing. He's upbraiding all of these places because... He's like you didn't you saw the works and you didn't follow it okay so this is all of your um, Tyre and Sidon like I said this is sort of an overview I kind of want to go over this quick but why are they pointing to this place in the sky if you guys see it's might, it might be hard to see there but you can see what's known as the it's called the winter hexagon okay you see that winter hexagon there and it's the it's the stars uh, Regal Sirius um what is the one in Canis Major? I forget what that one is. I can't read it there. Pollocks, Capella, Aldebaran, etc. Anyway, so it's these it makes the winter hexagon. Well, essentially in the middle of that winter hexagon is known as what's known as the Silver Gate. Okay? And that's between Gemini and Taurus. Okay, now basically there's the silver gate and the golden gate, and I'll go over this real quick. So Jesus is mentioning all these places, and if you look at the meanings of their their names, you can actually point to a place in the sky. Okay, like I said, there's other contexts in the Bible that you can get this from too, but I'm just going over this quick because... For the sake of this live stream, so there's your silver gate. It's between Gemini and Taurus. It's right, Orion's right there. You've got Gemini right there, etc. Why is the silver gate important? Because the silver gate is is considered this place in the sky in which souls are to be bound and loosed. Okay, so this the silver gate and the golden gate is where the the ecliptic, right? Where the ecliptic, where all the twelve disciples constellations are, twelve houses of the zodiac are right, and then you have the, the arch of the Milky Way that goes over and meets on both sides of the ecliptic. So the Milky Way goes over, there's the ecliptic. On both sides of the ecliptic, these are, well, these are what is known as the Silver Gates and the Golden Gates. And the very place that Jesus is mentioning and literally chastising these people is right around the area of the Silver Gate. The, the Golden Gate is formed between Sagittarius and Scorpio and the Silver Gate is formed between Taurus and Gemini. These gates have sometimes been symbolized as they are by the Vatican by two keys, silver and gold in color, often crossed with one another. The two gates are keys uh, the two gates or keys are said to represent two separate functions. The silver key has the power and bind to loose on earth, and the golden key has the power and bind to loose in heaven. So the very place, the silver gate, where the Milky Way is crossing the ecliptic. And where all of these constellations are being mentioned, where Jesus, is the very place where souls alleged are alleged to be bound on earth. What is Jesus basically saying here? He's like, none of you are getting into heaven. None of you. None of you in the cities. In fact, and not only that, your day of judgment is going to be ultra wicked, ultra harsh then all of the places that he mentions are the very places celestially in which souls are said to enter and leave the earthly plane like legitimately. Okay? So this silver and golden, so this is your silver and golden gates again. Once again, where the Milky Way crosses the ecliptic. That's how you determine these areas. This is understood with, by the Vatican. That's what those, that's what those symbols mean. That's, uh, the, the, all that right there is unbelievably astrologic. I mean, there's a trinity there. There's the, the cosmic egg is there. There's all sorts of shit going on there. The banner of heaven, the cross is just, you know, anyway, there's all of that. When we were in uh, Germany, Jennifer and I saw a bunch of, um, you know, symbolism of, of this and in, in a lot of the cathedrals and stuff like that. The one on the left there, that's the chi Row. That's in the center. You see that? It's the X and the P. And then what do you have? The like silver and golden gate the keys, if you will. That's the same thing on the right there. So, so all of that. I know, like I said, this is pretty obscure. So that's why I kind of went over it quick. But all of this is a reference to a place in the heaven, the very place in the heaven which is known to bind souls onto Earth. And what is Jesus literally saying? None of you are getting into heaven. Not a one of you. Okay, so uh, let's keep going here. Oh, we'll just say this, but I say unto you that it shall be more tolerable in the land of Sodom in the day of judgment for thee. Why is it more to- tolerable in the land of Sodom? Once again, a lot of Sodomites—what would be under what would be construed as the modern day like gay movement and stuff like that—a lot of those people are complete. They they honestly and genuinely don't know that they're living a life of total sin. They're literally, they're oblivious to it. They're like, they don't even, they've never even seen the light. So they're going to get a, they're going to get a judgment, right? But is it going to be as harsh as the very people that saw the light and rejected it? No, no. And this is what Jesus is saying. At that time, Matthew eleven twenty five. 25. At that time, Jesus answered and said, I thank thee, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because thou hast hid these things from the wise and prudent and hast revealed them unto babes. Now, before it said this, I want to make sure because I missed this. No, it's this one. It's this one. Sorry, give me a second. But wisdom is justified of her children. That's what he says. That's uh, Matthew, they end the verse there, Matthew eleven nineteen. 19. The Son of Man came eating and drinking. Behold, he's gluttonous. He's a wine. He likes his wine. He likes to drink a little wine. He's a friend of sinners. Oh, my Lord. Then it says this But wisdom is justified of her children. Okay? Then it says this line. At that time, Jesus answered and said, I thank thee, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because thou hast hid these things from the wise and prudent. He's, he's using the term wise and prudent here to talk about what? The scribes and Pharisees, the intellectual scholars of the, 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 you know, the religion and stuff like that. Comma. And hast revealed them unto babes. Babes, And he just said, wisdom is justified by your children. Why is Jesus relating the enlightened, the people that will be, in this sense, entered into heaven, allowed into heaven. Why is he relating these enlightened people to children and babes? Because children see with pure eyes and have not lost their sense of wonderment. This is why you'll find continually throughout the Bible, certain places here and there will refer to the notion that, you know, enlightenment or, you know, superior wisdom and acceptance with God and stuff like that reverts you to like a childlike state. This is one thing that you'll actually find in, you know, esoterica and mysticism and stuff like that. What does this mean? So why is Jesus relating children, the enlightened to children and babes? Because they see with pure eyes. We, the whole like The Gnostic approach or the the mystical approach is to try to get you back into that sense of place of your mind of of wonderment, right? To see this world through the eyes that God has given you and not not the eyes that have been created by Babylon and culture and, you know, the perversion and the filth and the degeneracy and all that other stuff that we're constantly fed all the time. That ends up perverting and distorting our mind and distorting our hearts and all that other stuff. God wants you to get rid of all that. Cleanse the system and see with the very eyes that he gave you initially as, you, as if you were a child seeing things like, ah, oh, you know, the first time. So see this world through the eyes that God has given you and use the mind that he has provided. Try to see this world again through child's eyes. Pure, virgin, unperverted, with wonder and excitement. And that's why he's saying, he's like, you held it from all these people that thought that they were all the intellectuals and the wise and the prudent, but you revealed it to people who what? Had that childlike sense of wonder. Um, Pure love in, in this sense. Even so, Father, for so it seemed good in thy sight. Then he says this, okay. All things are delivered unto me of my Father colon, and no man knoweth the Son, comma, but the Father, semicolon, neither knoweth any man the Father, save the Son, and he to whomsoever the Son will reveal him. What's happening here? This is the, this is like the core thing that gets really screwed up with like modern Trinitarians and stuff like that, that they think that like Jesus is God and God only, and it it gets so convoluted and, and screwed up. I don't even know where to begin here, but what is Jesus saying here? He's saying that he is the intermediary or intercessor between God and you, okay? So Jesus is the, I'm sorry, you know what? I forgot something. Let me go back. No, let's just finish this. Jesus is the intermediary or intercessor between man and God. That's what he's saying. Okay, all things are delivered unto me of my Father. So everything that comes from the all when we talk about the Father, the All Father, that that which is beyond the beyond the beyond the beyond, right? The thing that fails descriptors and categories and names and symbols. You can't even talk about it. The most thing you can say about that is blah, blah, blah. like that's 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 about the most you can say about the Father, the All Father, the God beyond the gods, right? Everything from him from that metaphysical eternal source is delivered unto what all things are delivered unto me of my father to christ father delivers it to christ and no man knoweth the son but the father the only being that can possibly know god is the perfected being that is christ okay now we want to we we seek to measure ourselves up to christ and you know to have that one mind with christ okay Neither knoweth any man the Father save the Son. You can't know the Father unless you're what? Unless you've, unless you've reached that state of christ Christomness or whatever, unless you're Christed, unless you've been enlightened, unless you have that halo behind your head. Neither knoweth any man the Father save the Son, and key to whomsoever the Son will reveal him. The only way that you can know the Father is if the Son, if Christ is revealed to you, what is the revealing that we talk about? What is the gift? What is the reception? What is the receiving? It's Kabbalistic, which means what? It's metaphysical. It comes straight from the source. It's information, wisdom, knowledge, um, you know uh, epiphanies, revelations that do that come straight from God Almighty. And that is that intercessor, that intermediary is Christ. This is the role that he plays, okay? Now, this is this. Is, so that's Jesus is the intermediary or intercessor between man and God. This is saying you can't know the Father. You have to. You have to come through me. And then it even it repeats that says no man knoweth you know the Father except the Son. Right? You no man cometh the Father except through Jesus. You know the whole bit, right? This is Kabbalistic. The, the, he's even saying revealed reception received gifts. This is your Adam Kadmon. Now the Adam Kadmon in Kabbalistic literature is the is the idea of the perfected man. It's the ideal perfect man. It's the first man that was ever created. Okay. And so now of course we have the Old Testament first Adam and then we have the last Adam which is Jesus Christ. And he plays that he plays the 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 role of replacing the corrupted Old Testament essentially. This is what's going on. It's like, oh, you Jews, you had your Adam Kadmon, the first one. Well, we've got the second one who replaces your first one and actually brings what? God to all people instead of you just chosen ones. Okay? So now we have our Kabbalistic Adam Kadmon. That's being Jesus Christ. And we get to we get to the Father, what? Through Christ. Because what? He is the intermediary or intercessor. This is what Manly Palmer Hall has to say about the idea of the Adam Kadmon. The human body is like that of the universe, just like we teach, is considered to be a material expression of ten globes or spheres of light, which is the re- which is a representation of what? The ten emanations of God, the Kabbalistic angels, your angles of light, which are placed right in front of you. Therefore, man is called the microcosm, the little world built in the image of the great world of which he is a part, which is exactly what we teach. The sephirothic, the sephirothic tree, the t- sephiroth, which is your ten emanations, Okay, 0, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9. That's what it is. The Sephirothic tree is sometimes depicted as a human body, just like we say it is. Because we talk about the, the, uh, the world tree, the tree of life, the, tree, the cosmic tree at the center of creation. As we say, what is it? It's a reflection of the human body. Axis Mundi, the whole bit. Um, the, Sephiroth, the Sephirothic tree is sometimes depicted as a human body thus more definitely, excuse me, it's hard to read here, establishing the true identity of the first or heavenly man, the Adam Kadmon, the idea of the universe. Okay? So this is what is being said in this this verse here. It's like, all things are delivered unto me of my Father. Everything comes from him, straight into me, Christ. No man knoweth the Son, but the Father. Okay? The, The only way that... God knows is perfection. That's it. He doesn't. God doesn't understand incorruption. That's just. Boop. Neither knoweth any man the Father save the Son. You can't know the Father unless you're what? Unless you go through Christ. And to whomsoever the Son will reveal Him, when Christ allows you and says you're ready, you're you're. We will accept you. Boom. Then you become Christed. Then all of a sudden, whoop! You get the halo behind your head. Now you can know the Father. Okay, this is what is being said here. So, um, what is this? Sorry, let me go back here because I totally screwed this up. This is what Jesus says. This this one's for John Vina out there. Okay, John Truth Seeker for you out there. You'll get you'll get this one right away. So it says this. This is the word straight from Jesus, right? This is eleven twenty five. At that time, Jesus answered and said, comma this. This is what Jesus said. I thank thee, O Father. He's speaking to the Father in heaven, right? God, God Almighty in heaven. Beyond, 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 beyond. I thank thee, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because thou hast hid these things from the wise and prudent and hast revealed them unto babes, unto the, unto the, the children who have pure sight. These are This is the gematria value of this, the words of Christ. I thank thee, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because thou hast hid these things from the wise and prudent and hast revealed them unto babes. Do you know what that equals? It equals 495. with word's right from Christ's mouth. I thank thee, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because thou hast hid these things from the wise and prudent and hast revealed them unto babes equals 495. Do you know where you get 495? Right in Jesus' name. Lord Jesus Christ this is something I cover in the book Lord Jesus Christ a whole chapter on this called heaven and earth um, this number is revealed between heaven and earth I'm not going to go into that that's a whole live stream Lord equals 13 Jesus equals 27 Christ equals 32 if you break those numbers down 13 27 and 32 do you know what you get 4 13 becomes 4 1 plus 3 is 4 2 plus 7 is 9 and 3 plus 2 is 5 and that's 495 and that is exactly the words that come straight out of Jesus's mouth 495. That's a whole, that's a whole nother live stream, but that's all there. So, okay, so let's go back here. Sorry, I totally botched that. So, okay, Jesus is the intermediary. We can't get to heaven with, with, unless we go through him. We talked about this when we did the geometry of, the geometry of good thinking. We just, dis, we discussed this, forget the scripture and throw all this shit out. Forget about any of that. We discussed this entire idea mathematically literally going up the number line from 3 to 4 to 5 to 6 what do you do the entire time the entire every rung up that ladder is what 180 you go from 360 to 540 to 7 whatever etc cetera, etc cetera. you get it right 720 to 900 to 1080 to 1260 every step of the way what are you going to need Christ the trinity okay so then he says this: "Come unto me." He's basically saying, "I will bring, will, will give you that eternal life, that eternal rest. You're not going to get to the Father, but through me. So you got to come through me. And what will I give you? I will give you rest. I will give rest to your weary soul. Come unto me, comma, all ye that labor. Once again." So important to, to point out how many times Christ or the Bible talks about how your spiritual quest is laborious. It is labor intensive. It requires work of you. Any of these churches, they would be like, you just have to do nothing. You're already there. And, you know, blah, blah, blah. It's all just faith. They have zero. You're not reading literally the rest of the Bible. Okay. Come on to me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. I will give you rest. He's talking about the people that are doing the great work. Ye that labor, the workman is worthy of his meat. Remember? And we also talked about it was like, hey, the harvest is, there's tons of harvest, but there's hardly any people working for it. This is exactly what he's talking about. This is hermetic. This is, this is alchemical. The great work, magnum opus, is an alchemical term for the process of working with the prima materia to create the philosopher's stone. The philosopher's stone, the re- reception of the philosopher's stone is nothing more than the reception, receiving of eternal life. That's what it's all about. It's it's becoming the perfected man, which Jesus represents, the Adam Kadmon. That's a mercurial figure right there, okay? The Great Work signifies the spiritual path towards self-transcendence in its entirety. That's really all we need to say about that. So that's and this is you know we talked about all of these you know systems, religious systems, and and you know that sort of stuff, basically all heralding the Great Work, whether it's the Tarot deck, you're going from the Fool to the World. You're just as as Manly Palmer Hall was saying, what is the Adam Kadmon? What is the second Adam to be in Jesus Christ? He's a representation of the entire cosmos. In the Tarot deck, what do you do? You go from the fool, you dummy, you idiot, dumbass. You go from there, which we all were, to what? The entire thing, a reflection of the entire thing. Masonry. Rough Ashlar stone to the perfect Ashlar stone. It's all metaphoric for all of this. Every single one of these things is talking about the exact same spiritual process that every single one of us has to undergo. And we have to go through what? The perfected man that is Christ. Turning lead to gold, the lost Masonic word. All of these things are a reference to that, okay? So come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. Then he says this, Take my yoke upon you upon you, and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest in your souls. Now, what does meek and lowly mean? Let's read this one more. Take my yoke upon you, we'll get to that in just a second, and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. Okay, what does meek and lowly mean? Lowly means low in status or importance and humble, okay? So there's that. And then meek means quiet, gentle, and sometimes it's considered easily imposed on or submissive. Now, we talked about the fact that when when it says like, oh, meek before, you know, you're supposed to be meek, that doesn't mean submissive to other men. It doesn't mean submissive to like corrupt governments obviously we're dealing with some insurrectionists here what does it mean it means you're submissive to god that's what meek literally means when jesus says that he's follow me is basically what he's saying learn from me and i am come unto me uh, i will give you rest take my yoke upon you learn of me for i am meek and lowly in heart and ye shall find rest unto your souls what is jesus saying here he's saying check your freaking ego that's what he's saying he's It's not like he's saying, I'm just a weak little man, and I'm quiet and easily imposed on. He just talked about the fact that he went into 12 different cities and upbraided them, literally chastised them, being like, you guys are, you all need repentance, you freaking sickos. That's what Jesus just got done doing. Now, what happens? Modern churches will forget that part. (laughs) <laughs> forget that entirely, and then just be like, see, Jesus is lowly and meek and stuff like that. No, that's an that's an archaic way of saying, check your freaking ego. You're going to go out into this world and you're going to be bold and you're going to be confident and you're going to recognize that, you know, through Christ, I can do all things. I've got the power of Christ within me, but you're not going to do it as some ego freaking maniac. Jesus already talked about that earlier in the chapter where he was talking about the fact that what, what were these rabbi, rabbi, what were you doing in the markets? Talking up yourselves, wearing your phylacteries and getting your garments all extra big and making sure men could see of you, you freaking egomaniacs. Jesus is saying, learn of me. I'm lowly and meek. I'm not out here doing this for self-congratulations or self-righteousness or because look at me, I'm rabbi, rabbi. No. I'm doing this because it needs to be done, right? I'm lowly. This is saying, don't be an egomaniac when you do it. Do things from the heart. Lowly and meek and what? Heart. Okay? He's, he's, he's instilling all a ton of confidence in you, but then also saying, look, don't be a jackass about it. Okay? Once again, we're <laughs> I'm putting this into layman's terms, but I think you guys get it, okay? So now let's go back here. Um, sorry, I don't want to miss anything here. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, uh, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest in your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Okay. My uh, First off, uh, let's not even get into that. I was going to do some math. Let's do some math real quick. This is the last line in this chapter, okay? And it says this, For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Okay, that's what it says. It's the last line in a chapter called Math and You. Okay, so for my yoke is easy and my burden is light, this equals one, two, three in English gematria. Okay, has everybody seen that? So for my yoke is easy and my burden is light, 10, 10 words, 33 letters, Illuminati confirmed, equals 123. Well, this is the product of 123. How you get to 123 is just you add 31 plus 41 plus 51. That's how you get. Do you know what what happens when you reverse those numbers? 31, 41, 51. So 31 plus 41 plus 51 equals 123, which is your Gamacha value there. Then reverse those numbers. 31 becomes 13, 41 becomes 14, 51 becomes 15, and you add those. And do you know what that is? That's the place on the number line where you establish pi. We just talked about that last live stream about the... (laughs) Freemasonic compasses and square, what's in there? Pi, the whole thing. So, 3, 1, 4, 1, 5, that's the place where you establish pi. That equals 42, okay? So, everybody get that. Do you know what happens when you take the vowels away from this, or the consonants away from this? Equals 42. I don't know, it's just a coincidence. It's just some weird, anyway so uh 123 and 42 and then you take the consonants away of that very phrase and it equals 42. Mm-hmm. so there is that okay now what does he mean by my yoke is easy and my burden is light what does this mean obviously crazy symbolic right i mean this is unbelievably parabolic in what he's speaking what is the yoke um it's a con- it's a contrivance it's a it's a it's a, it's a thing if you will to fasten a pair of draft animals that's what it is a little contraption yoke means to to yoke to join together that's what it means okay it means yoke to join together this is what yoke um so yoke also means servitude bondage it means the link a tie a link especially in marriage right so it's a tie a link it's bondage it's bringing people it's bringing together you know, that sort of thing. This is what the term yoke means. To join in or with a yoke, to become joined or linked, okay? So this is what is saying. So my yoke is easy. Joining, think about this, joining into Christ is easy. Linking up to Christ is easy. Lots of people do that. He's like, I'm a follower of Christ. And then they don't actually do anything to follow Christ. They don't actually read the Bible. They don't really try to understand. They don't even try to prove their lives. They don't really try to get to the core of things. They're not calling out the bullshit in the world. They're not, you know, rebuking liars and anything like that. They're just like, i just tie. So my yoke is easy. Tying up to Christ in this sense is easy. When you talk about tie or yoke or to chain or to bind or to tie, to link, this is the this is the root of the word religion. Okay state of life bound by monastic vows. Um, It's religion means, you know, belief in a divine power, obviously. Respect for what is sacred, reverence for the gods, that sort of thing. But it also comes from re, which means again. And um, religare, which means to bind fast, or a bond between humans and gods. So ligio, ligare means to bind, to link, to chain. That's That's what it means. And this is exactly what yoke means. It means it's a it's a you know fastening pair of draft animals bringing together tie to join to link. So Jesus is basically talking about his religion. This what he's saying. My yoke is easy. Lots of people tie themselves or link to Christianity be like I got Christ, but my burden is light. But my burden is light. That's what he says. Think about the the. Just the, the the slyness, right? The, the how cryptic what he's saying here is my yoke is easy tying the link, the bind, the chain to tie to me. That's easy, and my burden is light. Think about the double, like double entendre of what's being said here. Burden is what? Burden is a load or a typically a heavy one. So okay. So by the way, if so, in other words, my yoke is easy, and my and my burden is light. My load is uh, is a is a light one okay so he's saying that so that's what most people say oh look if you go to jesus he's going to give you rest your burden's going to be light okay that's that's cool that's what that means yes but what's the other meaning of that what does burden mean it's the main theme or gist of a speech book or argument okay so when he says my yoke is easy and my burden is light light in the archaic sense means spiritual illumination that's what it means like that's the definition, ancient definition of light. It means inner light, it means enlightenment, it means divine truth. Okay? Spiritual illumination, that's what it means. So when Jesus is coming around and saying here, he's like, Oh, my uh, the my, my yoke is easy, tying up to me is easy, and my burden is light, and my burden is although heavy latin is you're going to get rest in your souls okay cool we got that but what is the other meaning of this my burden is light what does burden mean it's my main theme or the gist of my speech is light my main theme or the gist of my speech is what divine truth that's what he's saying so it ends this whole thing with jesus being like Look, come and get rest onto your souls. Don't follow this wicked generation. Don't don't go into what these cities and are doing and not, you know, seeing the mighty works that were shown in them and rejecting it. Don't do any of that. Come, tie yourself up with me. And my general speech or discourse, what I'm gonna be teaching you, the gist of my speech is what? Divine truth. And once you see it and live it and embody it and align with it then you're then you're on the then what then you're going to be oh then you'll maybe you'll get to know the father and if you don't guess what's going to happen because you saw the truth what's going to happen the greater greater punishment shall you deal with your punishment shall be greater and that's how that chapter ends guys thank you so much for Joining us this Sunday, you guys are good bards. I, I just want to say thank you so much, you guys are good, good bards. I really appreciate everybody joining uh, this fine Sunday morning. Um, if you would like to become a good bird, you can become a good bird at Subscribestar. We can. You. We have four tiers of birds. That's four with there. There's the phoenix bird, there's the Aquila bird, the cygnus bird, and there's Tam of the Peemaw bird. And once again, if you'd like to um, do any donations, Ven- Venmo, buy me a coffee, cash app. Subscribe star. We really appreciate all of it. And then snail mail, if you'd like to send anything, uh, we open those Tuesdays with Marty, 7 o'clock Central Standard Time. Uh, we had like three letters last time we opened, so I really appreciate that. Uh, Whiskey, Bruce Hutton, um, who else sent me a letter? I forget who else was sent me a letter, but they were really nice, so I appreciate that. Kevin McNally, N2550 Southview Court. Monroe, Wisconsin, 53566. We are streaming to YouTube, Rockfin Odyssey, and I don't know what's going on with Rumble. i got to figure that out. But thank you to Content Safe for getting us on BitChute. And we are available on the Earth, Sun, Moon, and Zodiac app. The Sunday sermons are on there, so get it. And if you get a chance, we're going to be at The Gathering, Kuyama Valley, uh, August 18th through the 21st. That is Music and Sky with the good Mike Winner, and the good Dr. Bear, we got Kelly Brogan on there, Aline McCusick, Alex Zach, Melissa Sell, a bunch of doctors, and me. And so there's Marty Leeds' uh, Music and Sky, if you guys would like to join us. Also, uh, Flattoberfest is going on. I don't know if Jennifer and I are going to be able to make it this year. Um, I, I guess we'll see. I'm not sure. But Flattoberfest is always a great time. So if you guys get a chance... Go to flattoberfest.com. It's Flat Earth Festivals as well. And I think you can buy tickets. October 21st to 22nd. They're doing it in Vegas. We promised we would never go to Vegas again. But since Flattoberfest is in Vegas, maybe we will. I don't know. So anyway, um, also the church store. So all of that. So okay, let's... uh, I think my wife has sent me donations, right? Um, We've got another. Derek Holloway says, Reimbursement. Thank you so much, Derek Holloway. Um, okay. Let's do this. Bear Lando and fam. Thank you. I forgot to say thank you last time. So, uh, your donation came in late. So thank you so much, Bear Lando and fam. Looking forward to meeting both you and your good wife. Jeremy Hines, generous donation. Thank you so much. Shannon Seal, Oscar Sanchez, Michael Shuknik. Thank you, Michael, very much. Daniel Hager, Robert Jones, Rich Hill, Denise, or no, no, Dennis Nelissi. I think that's how you say that. Alicia Crawford. Thank you so much, Alicia Crawford. We really appreciate you guys. Um, Matthew Kwiatkowski tipped $20 thank you so much we also have all the subscribe stars all the good birds we have Tatus Butthole Surfer uh, Brett Kirshner Kenneth Rudzinski Ruth Scott Lindsey Chavin Lauren D L. J. Lo Samurai Deadpool Ed Adam H. Harvey Brown Paige Sage Bear Daniel Petrillo Shannon Seal again, Jenny G7 The Pro Pius the Ancient Order Jamie Diana, interesting Cynthia Holtzman, perspective ninety six Bobby ninety six Jared Poole, the man Anders oldberg. Hobby Ah, Emerson a cat thank you so much Andrew Mason at Love Church love you all thank you Andrew so good to see you every um, every every Sunday it's really great to see so many people coming back so and then I don't know how to say your name in Russian there but one Samuel eight six eighteen uh, thank you so much John Vina thank you so much Travis Hudosko. Udasco? Is that how you say that? Jared Poole, thank you so much. Generous generous donation, thank you so much. Virginia Murray, Virginia Dare, thank you so much. Christina Bangs, four coffees. Shannon Seal, we love you, Marty and Jen. Thank you, as always, for your Sunday wisdom, inspiration, and St. John wrestling pump-ups. <laughs> thank you so much. Eric C, 25, thank you so much. Love, that's what he says. Okay, that's going to do it. Thank you, guys. So, Angie. And Angie A, Love you, Angie A. on Rockfin. Just killing it, Angie. Um, so just to let you guys know, so thank you, everybody. We really appreciate that. Just as you guys know, I am work. I, I think I say this every week, but I am working on the Tenants of the Order, and that's going really well. It's basically, we're just going to have this little small book. You can download it as a PDF if you want. You don't have to pay for anything like that if you don't want. You can get you know, a soft cover, hard cover if you want. But that'll be like all of the things that we're sort of teaching, like everything we think about true, uh, what have I written thus far? What is Gnosticism? Um, The Demiurge and On the Nature of Evil, that's written. Uh, True Cosmology, where I go over six, seven pages basically talking about cosmology, what we teach here. All the things that I teach at the church, reincarnation, we'll get into that. There's a bunch of topics. They'll all be in this little book. So if anybody's like, well, what do you guys believe? What is it? It'll be right there. Like literally every question that we could possibly think of of people being like, what is your church? What is Gnosticism? (laughs) What do you guys, was Jesus real? What do you guys think about the shape of the earth? What about the Jews? All of that shit. It's all going to be in that book. And so, and pretty straightforward reading too. I didn't make it too complex. So Saturday, this Saturday, Jennifer is going to start her first Um, it's, it's, you're doing it on, not Zoom, you're doing it on... I
1: think I'm going to do it on
0: Telegram. I think we're going to do it on Telegram. And what it is, it's called Emotional Intelligence. And basically all it is, is helping people deal with their, the, the swings of their emotions in crazy times like now how to deal with certain things like depression and how to just a lot of that sort of stuff. So she'll go over it. So it'll be a telegram group. I'm not sure when next Saturday, but I think we'll know by this Tuesday. We'll announce it. We'll put it in the telegram group for anybody. And so anybody can join. It's just, you know, if you want to join, it's free. You know, if you want to donate or whatever. And then um, after that, the video will be posted on Rockfin for members. And telegram. And and telegram and well, anyway, we'll figure that out. So so Jennifer's gonna be doing a whole, it's like a presentation, 20, 30 minute presentation, and then like open questions or anything like that. And then if you have any other questions after that or wanna talk, um, you can contact Jennifer straight up and do that, so okay. Guys, thank you so much, really appreciate. I hope you guys enjoyed your uh, Sunday and next week we'll do Matthew 12 which was a lot more straightforward. This one there was a lot of a lot, there was pretty obscure. This was literally one of the hardest ones that I've had to do. So, hope you guys enjoyed it. But Matthew 12 next week and then after that, I don't know. I don't know what we'll do, but we'll have fun doing it. Okay. We're going to get out of here. Um guys, may you always keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ onto eternal life. May his grace be with you all. Amen. Okay, we're going to we're going to jam out on this tune and I think it's a tune by John Mayall and the Blues Breakers I want to say I think is the original I'm not sure don't quote me but it's a song called Maydell and it's and it's a cover by the Almond Brothers and it's a later stage of the Almond Brothers so it's, it's Derek Trucks on guitar and Warren Haynes on guitar and if you guys listen to the solo section of this because in the right speaker I think it's Warren Haynes playing the solo and then it cuts over to Derek Trucks and it's so badass this song is great anyway Guys, love you so much. I will see you next, well, I'll see you Tuesday if you're going to be around. Otherwise, I'll see you next Sunday. All right, that's going to do it for me. Let's rock out with the Almond Brothers. Have yourselves a wonderful Sunday and I really appreciate everybody that allows us to keep doing this, okay? Thank you so much. All right, that's going to do it. As always, many blessings and much love to all. Let's rock out.
1: Dream me no. When the story's good Nobody said you did